Let's continue in prayer. Yes, Father, we want to uh, build our lives on your rock. Thank you for that image that you gave us, Jesus. And thank you for the opportunity we have again this morning to look at your word. And we pray for this time now together. We pray that we would be um, ready to be challenged. We are happy uh, to be guided by you, Father. Whatever you have to say to us, please prepare our hearts. Amen. Great. So this morning we're going to be talking about world mission. Now, that's a bit of a jargony word, isn't it? What does that even mean? So what I did is uh, what most people do these days when they're thinking about a talk and they start the topic. So what do you do? You Google it, don't you? So, <laughs> so I Googled it and this is what I found. I found a YouTube clip of some penguins on a top secret world mission to Cuba. So I think we should watch that. This file contains top secret information. Do not open it. Repeat, do not open it. Well, so much for the honor system. Let's just black out the top secret stuff. Well, Cuba's just like I remember it. Boys, I'm starting to suspect we've been double-crossed. Good thing we have a few party favors of our own. Weapons check. I brought the prototype Omega class. I've got the auto flanging supercharged cannon. Well, gold star to Rico. Okay, that could be trouble. Look out! Incoming! We're everywhere! Run for your lives! Ticklish, ticklish, ticklish! Well, now you know everything, except the parts you can never know. In fact, forget everything you just saw. Rico? <laughs> Discover the untold story of how four ordinary... <laughs> Great. Well, that's cleared it up then, hasn't it? Now we know exactly what we all mean. Uh, well, thankfully, the world mission that we're talking about is rather less top secret. In fact, it's precisely not top secret at all because it involves telling the whole world about Jesus. So less top secret but by no means less exciting, as we shall see. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear someone talk about world mission or you hear about it uh, preached and you think, sure, that's important. You know, It must be because it's mentioned in the Bible, but it's not really your particular thing. It's not the ministry in church that you're involved with. It's not your particular interest. And maybe you're thinking, you know, world mission is great, But it's not relevant for everyone, right? We can't all be expected to go and become missionaries. Well, let's take a look together at what the Bible has to say. We're going to look at uh, Psalm 67 together this morning. It's It's a psalm that's really helpful, actually, when thinking about world mission. We're going to be mainly looking at Psalm 67, but we're also going to be Um, going across the Bible a bit together as well this morning. And the reason we're going to do that is to see how central some of the themes that we're going to look at are across the whole Bible. But we're going to stay in Psalm 67 as well. So let's read that. May God be gracious to us 
and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the, people, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the earth, look, sorry, let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now the first thing, that, the first reason that you might think of when you're thinking about uh, world mission, about telling others about Jesus, may be um, telling those that don't know about him yet. You may be thinking, well, they need to know so they may be saved from the judgments that they deserve for rejecting God. And that is true, and we will come on to that in a bit. But there is also another reason mentioned in this psalm. In verses 3 and 5, do you see it's verses 3 and 5 are repeated exactly the same, aren't they? Let the peoples praise you. It's said four times. Let the peoples praise you. Let the people worship you. In verse 7, let all the ends of the earth fear you. Fear in this context has more of a sense of a revere and honor rather than being scared of God. Worship is the way that we should respond to God's glory. God's glory is what's revealed to us. His greatness, his infinite beauty, his perfection. If you look down at verse 1, it says... um, his face shine upon you. So that's picking up words from Aaron's blessing. In other words, may we see your glory, God. John Piper puts it like this. Mission exists because worship doesn't. And how can people respond in worship to God's glory unless God's glory is revealed to them? So God's glory and worship are the aim of mission. That's what mission is all about. It's about God himself, his glory, him being exalted. In fact, not only is uh, God's glory and worship the aim of mission, it's also God's chief aim too, bringing glory to himself. If you've read parts of the Bible before, you've probably come across the sentence, for the glory of God. It comes up a lot, doesn't it? Let's take a look at some of those verses now. Now, don't worry. Stay where you are in Psalm 67. I'll just read them for you. Um, So here are some of the passages that... Oh, is that large enough? Um, That mention God's glory. So first off, we see that God created us for his glory. In Isaiah 43, 6-7. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south... Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I I formed and made. So we see that God created for his glory. Next, we see that in, um, when the people of God, so the Israel in the Old Testament, were captive in Egypt, he saved them from Egypt 
for his name's sake, in Psalm 106, 7 to 8. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. And they, re- and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power, his mighty power known. I won't read this one, but I'm also mentioned that in Ezekiel 36, 22 to 23, we see that God's people, Israel, were exiled from their land to, to Babylon. And he restored them again back to their own land, again for his glory. An example of Jesus speaking too. Jesus talks about glorifying the Father in John 17, 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. We see here that Jesus asks that he may bring glory to the Father. Jesus longs to see his Father glorified. In Isaiah 43:25, we see that God even forgives our sins for his own sake. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And there are many, many more examples. These are just a few selected uh, from across the Bible. For God's glory is a theme that keeps coming back and again and again. So we see that God's um, chief aim is to bring glory to himself, glory that he deserves. He is our creator. He is the only one to whom all glory is due. You know, we might find it deeply offending and ugly, actually, when a human tries to get glory for himself. It's not particularly nice. But as Don Carson puts it, God is not one of seven billion. He is God. He is unique. He is our creator. And importantly, he is worthy of, the, of all the glory. So God created us. He rescued Israel from Egypt. He restores Israel from Babylonia. He forgives sins and many, many more things, all for his glory. These are just a few examples. So that's God's chief aim, but it's also what he made us to do too. We are actually most satisfied, most fulfilled, most accomplished, most close to what we're meant to be doing when we bring him glory. In Matthew 5.16, go back one, cool, thank you. Um, In Matthew 5.16, Jesus tells us to do good work for God's glory. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And in 1 Peter 4:11, Peter urges us to serve that in everything God may be glorified. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Bringing glory to God is what we're meant to do. You may have heard of the saying before, having the right tool for the job. 
it's a popular thing. But I think there's something incredibly satisfying as well about having the right job for the right tool. I really enjoy cycling, and um, whenever I can, I, I try to cycle everywhere. And although I hate the word, I'm what, I, what people call a roadie. Uh, that just means that I cycle on a road bike. They tend to be uh, thinner, thinner wheels, lighter, a bit more sort of hunched forward. In fact, until a couple of weeks ago, I really couldn't see the point, really, of a mountain bike. But then the only times I'd ever really used a mountain bike had been on the road. And so I'd always sort of been a bit frustrated as a road bike would have been more efficient. But then a few weeks ago, Cyril and I were in Scotland on a holiday, and uh, we hired some mountain bikes. And we took them down some twisty mountain bike trails. And the bikes really came into their own. The incredible grip enabled us to, to go on some very unstable surfaces. And the really low gears enabled us to go on some really steep inclines. Before I knew it, I was loving mountain biking. And maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe not cycling, but maybe in the kitchen or in DIY, in photography or computing. You have this great tool, and you love it so much that you end up kind of using it for something that's you know, it's not quite really what it's meant for, but you, you, know, you do it anyway. And then you start using it for what it's meant for. Oh, doesn't it feel good? Yeah? There's a sense of satisfying. This is what this tool is meant to do. And there's, there's that sense with us too. We are meant for worship and to bring God glory. And there's that great sense of completeness and satisfaction when we give ourselves back to God. Have you ever felt that? Maybe you've never really thought about it like that before. That we're made to worship. And give glory to God. You too can come to God and give yourself to him. So we see how uh, God's plan is to bring glory to himself. Oh, I forgot there's a photo. (laughs) Never good at remembering the photos, am I? Sorry. Um, Right, let's move on. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we see that God's plan is to bring glory to himself and for us to bring glory to him too. And what does that mean? And how does my life fit in to God's glory master plan? 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31 So whether you eat or drink, or whether you do, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How do I bring God glory in everything? In the big things, in the small things, in, the, in my job, in the way that I bring up my children if I have some, in my choice of study, in my use of time, in my choice of what I use my money for. What might it look like to be concerned with God's glory in our day-to-day life? To live our lives concerned for his glory. What might it look like in your job or your study, or whatever it is that you do for God's glory. Well, maybe just an example, but if you were um, really worried about your exams, and you were praying about your exams, and you said, Lord, you know, I'm worried about this, I, I trust you with my exams, and you get your results back and you get really great grades, and all your, colleague, your, your classmates are saying, hey, well done, you got all those great grades. Well, maybe, maybe this would look like you saying, well, actually, I was really worried about these exams, and I prayed a lot about it. Maybe that's what it would look like, 
You'd be pointing people to God, pointing the glory to him. So, we've seen that, um, well, mission is for God's glory. Something else that leaps out from this passage that we read is the repetition of all nations, all the ends of the earth, all the peoples. It's definitely a theme that is repeated a lot in this passage. In fact, it's also a theme that is repeated constantly throughout the whole Bible. Again, let's look at some of those passages. So if we look at uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we see what happens to Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through Abraham. That's a very similar theme to what we've got going on in Psalm 67 as well, isn't it? And um, we will pick up on that a little bit later. Abraham is being blessed to bless the nations. Another example, uh, Psalm 96 verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. If you uh, read any of the Scripture Union daily devotional materials, you'll have read Isaiah 49 this week. In Isaiah 49, verse 6, it says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servants, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Too small a task to restore the tribes of Israel. Too small. He will make his people a light that salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And of course, in the famous um, Great Commission, Jesus instructs his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All nations there again. In Acts 13.47, so the early early church. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles. See that? We read a bit about that earlier on as well. That you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And again in, in Revelation, so which talks about what's going to happen in the future talks a lot about heaven and, and what that's going to be like. The words people of every tribe, nation, language, and tongue just keep coming back. They're mentioned in Revelation uh, 5, 9 to 10, 7, 9 to 10, 14, 6 to 7. You know, it just keeps coming back, that theme. I'm just going to read 5, uh, 5, 9 to 10. And they sung a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and nation and people. uh, Sorry, every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. So clearly from reading scriptures, all nations are very central to God's plan. 
In fact, bringing all nations to himself is the plan. In Luke 24, after Jesus had um, died and risen again, Luke explains that Jesus opened his disciples' minds so that they could understand Jesus' plans clearly. Luke 24, 45 to 47. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And again, you know, there are so many more examples that we could go to of how all nations are everywhere across the whole Bible. In fact, the word all seems to be repeated a lot too. So there seems to be a specific importance that all the nations are represented Every nation, language, and tongue. Make disciples of all nations. In fact, the Greek word um, that we have here in the Great Commission, all nations, um, which we translate in English as all nations, um, is actually ethne in Greek, I'm told, and is even wider than just all nations. You could translate it as all people groups. God wants all people groups of the earth, every ethnicity, every tongue, every tribe to be in heaven to worship and adore him. That's the scale of God's world mission. All nations, every tribe. And so it makes sense that we should have a particular longing to see people um, that aren't reached yet knowing him and knowing the gospel. According to statistics uh, by the Joshua Project, out of nearly uh, 17,000 people groups in total there are still almost 7,000 people groups that are still to be reached with the gospel. And that's a challenge to us as the world church. Now, you might be thinking, hold on, uh, what does this mean for Southampton? Well, you know, what does this mean for our local mission? Southampton isn't an unreached people group. Does that mean it's not important? Well, of course not. For a start, of course, Southampton is part of all nations too. God's heart for world mission, for all the nations worshipping him, doesn't for one moment suggest that our local mission, our front lines as we call them here, aren't important too. We should still long to see our friends, family, work colleagues and classmates come to know Jesus too, of course. So what does Psalm 67 tell us that we should tell all the nations? Verse 4, let the nations... Be glad and sing for joy. So just as we enjoy and delight in God, this psalm cries out that the nations should enjoy him too. We are to share God with them. We don't come to to the nations with a sad or restrictive news. We point them to God, our loving Father, our wonderful Saviour Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It's news that will bring gladness, joy, and singing. We have wonderful news that we can bring to the nations, that they may know, enjoy, and love God for themselves too. But it's also critical news, isn't it? If we take a look at uh, verse 2, that that you may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. We know that the gospel message is, is that all of us deserve God's punishment for rebelling against him 
And only through God, through, Je- through what Jesus has done for us, can we be saved being put, you know, by putting our trust in him. And so we long that God's saving power may be known among all nations. How can the nations know of God's saving power unless we who know about it tell them? Do you remember a couple of uh, months ago, uh, Anna, Anna, who we've just recently sent to um, Wycliffe um, to be involved in Bible translation there, she, she gave us a really uh, challenging and thought-provoking illustration, didn't she? She um, had two volunteers, and she blindfolded one of the volunteers and asked both volunteers to run around the church, didn't she? And it was really unfair. The volunteer that didn't have the blindfold had no chance of running around the church with the blindfold. And Anna was making the point that still so many people in the world don't have the Bible in their own language yet. And so it's, yeah, unfair for them. So we've seen that God's mission is for his glory and worship, and we've seen that God longs for all nations to enjoy him. Now we're going to see um, that how it's done through blessing his people. Let's look down at verse 1 again and see the prayer of God's people. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. The way that God chooses to make his his name known is through blessing his people. He blesses his people who are in turn blessing a blessing to others. It's similar to what we read earlier in Genesis, wasn't it, with Abraham. Abraham was blessed, and he was a blessing to all nations. That's how um, God chooses to do it. That's the role of the church. That's how God chooses to reveal himself today, too, to make his name known by blessing his people, his people today, that's the church, that's us. He blesses his people, the church, that in turn, we are to be a blessing to the nations. That's our role. Is it an unreasonable ask? Is it too big a task? Well, as the commentator William Binney, sorry if I don't pronounce it right, points out, let's not forget that there were 120 disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And look at the church today. So the people of God uh, long to see others participating in this privilege. The purpose of this blessing isn't our selfish enjoyment of this love. We're not meant to greedily hold on to it. This blessing is supposed to trickle down. We are supposed to receive it and pass it on. Now you may be wondering what the box is about. Um, Very, ooh, is this going to work? Cool. In the course that um, a few of us here at Portswood have been doing called Formation School, um, one of the pictures that they use is of um, a cup overflowing. And um, so as the water is poured in, it begins to overflow And that's a bit of the picture that we've been looking at here. It's supposed to be out of joy and thankfulness, not guilt and duty, 
that we are meant to be uh, serving and doing world mission. Again, as John Piper puts it, um, worship is both the aim, as we saw earlier, and the fuel of world mission. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we're going to find world mission hard if we're running on empty. If the cup has dried up, it can't overflow. There's no substitute for being in God's presence. Reading your Bible and praying is important to be continued to, to be nourished and to do world mission. World mission isn't, sorry, worship isn't going to be our fuel for mission if we're not worshipping, is it? Romans uh, 1, 5 summarizes nicely what we've um, seen so far. Is it there? No. Um, let me just read it to you. Through Jesus, sorry, it says through him, but it's referring to Jesus. Through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So we've seen how important world mission is to God, and the aim is to bring him glory and worship, and it's uh, for all the nations through us. But if this is this important to God, is it important to me? How am I playing my part in God's great mission plan? Well, you might reply, well, we have global partners and a wheat team at church. Oh, well, that's okay then. We've uh, ticked that box. Good. Um, We've got... Lots of things in our church. We've got a building, we've got staff, we've got electricity, and we've got global mission partners. Tick. Perfect. Carry on. That's filled. Does that let us off the hook? Now, don't get me wrong. Well, mission partners are excellent and hugely important. But let's not dismiss the challenge too quickly that God might be throwing us this morning. What about me? If world mission is that important to God my Father, how can it be seen in my life? How do I fit into God's plan that his glory may be seen among the nations? How am I, how are you, if you're a follower of Jesus, involved in being a blessing to all nations? Well, firstly, for some of us, God will be calling us to go abroad, to be mission partners. There will be some of us here that God is challenging and saying, I want you to live somewhere where there aren't believers yet and live for me there. For others, maybe he's calling you to go and serve him on a short-term mission trip. Maybe next year you've got a long summer break. You are thinking of traveling, but maybe God is saying, I want you to bless the nations. But there is also an increasing number of people from all nations right here in Southampton, aren't there? That presents us with an exciting opportunity as we consider, you know, how we fit in to God's global mission plan. We've been hearing quite a bit about, over the last few weeks, about the International Cafe that's here on a Monday. It's really exciting, isn't it, that there's people from all nations here tomorrow evening who are going to be doing Bible discussion groups. Maybe God is calling you to help out with that or to pray for the International Cafe. 
There's also um, an increasing number around us uh, of people from all nations, either at work or at school or, or all around us, in the shops, in the streets. How does God's knowing, how does, how, sorry, how does knowing God's plan for us to be a blessing to all nations affect that we view uh, people from foreign countries that are around us? How does it affect the way that we view our foreign colleague or classmate from another country? If we grasp even a small part of the excitement that God has for all nations worshipping him, then that's going to change the way that we view people from other countries, isn't it? And of course, we have our global mission partners. And there's various ways that we uh, can be involved with them. First of all, prayer. God works through prayer. If we're serious about wanting to see breakthrough in the projects that our global mission partners are involved with, then we should be praying. And we should see that as a priority. Secondly, giving. They do need money. Otherwise, well, they can't do it, can they? They can't live in other countries or do the things that they do without our money. Thirdly, this isn't something that mission partners often ask for, but I find that it's invaluable too. Contact. I uh, was brought up in Belgium. My parents were missionaries there. And I don't think I've seen my, the, the smile on my parents' face as much as when people came to visit them from the churches that supported them. The joy that it brought them. Even if, you know, the, the groups that came didn't quite know what to do or how to help, that smile was special. And maybe, you know, we could be... Um, visiting our, mission, our global mission partners. Another thing that, that um, yeah, just, just visiting is good, but also um, regular contact. I remember one of my, um, my mother's, uh, well, my parents' um, supporters used to, every Sunday evening, um, play canasta online with my mum. And it used to be one of the highlights of her week. Someone, one of, her, one of their supporters, you know, Right, it's time for canasta, she, she used to say. And off she'd go to play canasta on Yahoo or whatever. That regular contact makes such a difference. And lastly, care. Mission partners is a good name, isn't it? What does it mean that we partner? It means that we ourselves are invested in the project. We care. We take responsibilities for these projects. There is a part ownership in those projects, isn't there? And of course, if we care, well, that's going to um, influence the other things, isn't it? Praying, giving, and contact. So these are four ways that we can help our global mission partners. So what is God saying to us this morning? We've seen that it's uh, world mission is for his glory. We've seen that it's for all the nations. Um, we've seen that it's through blessing his people that he does it, and we've seen that it's for you and me to be part of too. If it's that important for God, then surely it's important to me too. So what is God saying to me this morning? If God is challenging you in some way this morning, what are you going to do about it? Maybe you could sign up to receive one of the mission partners' newsletters, and so you can partner with them in what they're doing. Or maybe you're thinking, well, actually, I'm going to try and Skype one of our mission partners this week so I can connect with them, find out how they're getting on, but also show how I'm getting on, how we're getting on. 
Or maybe you're going to change your holiday plans next year. You had time off, but you think, no, I'm going to do a short-term mission trip. I want to be a blessing to the nations. Let me leave you with this question. How are you playing your part to be a blessing to the nations? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much because it, yeah, it really is exciting that um, you long for the nations to know you and to worship you and to enjoy you. But Father, it is challenging to see how much, how important the nations are to you. And I pray that um, for myself and for my brothers and sisters here, that we would know how to respond to this challenge. Help us to play our part in in bringing you glory, in being a blessing to the nations. Amen.